Hey guys, today I have a special guest, Sean Smith. He is the writer of this new book called Gatekeeper, and he's on today. And we're going to talk about Gatekeeper and what it is, what's what the whole concept is, and why you should read the book. But I want to introduce Sean to you. He's somebody that I've known over the last couple of years, probably one of the guys that has spoken in my life and given me a lot of concepts and ideas around the idea of, of masculinity and what it means to be masculine. So Sean, I just really appreciate you being here today. Thanks. Ben. Well, thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. That's, that's quite an introduction. I'll try to live up to it. Let's just start with this book, Gatekeeper. Now, this isn't the first book that you've written. No, it's not even the first book that I've read, but yeah, it's not <laughs> the first one I've written. Um, the, the This is a follow-on to the Tactical Guide to Women, which a few guys have read. And yeah. this is a little more that, whereas that book was looking at what is, what is she bringing to the relationship? What are the minimum requirements? What, what makes a, I guess, what makes a woman minimally competent to participate in a romantic commitment? That's what the tactical guide to women is about. This is more about you, the reader. This is what are you bringing into the relationship? Mm. And um, particularly what kind of patterns are you, are you repeating? So I'm starting to get some feedback from uh, younger guys Two, two groups of guys, younger guys, we'll say like 25 starting out on, on thinking about seriously about commitment. And so they're looking at the patterns that they're bringing into it. And then older guys who might be starting over 45, 50, 60, who are reading this and they're realizing that they have some patterns that they're, they're not wanting to repeat if they start over. What are some of these patterns that you've recognized or they've expressed in some way? Well, it's kind of a difficult thing to pin down because, yeah. and I, th I think I do a reasonable good, reasonably good job in the book because where, where I start is, I hope I, yeah, I should, I should walk that back. Who am I to say how awesome the book is, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> you wrote it, so why not? Yeah. The way I start in the book is I talk about um, five qualities that in my estimation as somebody who's been a clinical psychologist for 16, 17 years now in private practice, the things that a guy should look for in a relationship, which is not necessarily the same as what you should look for in her because the, the relationship and her are kind of two, two different entities. I didn't get too esoteric yeah, about that in the sure. book, but there are some qualities that this commitment, this relationship, if you're going to commit to a woman, it should bring some things in your life. It should add to your life. And in my estimation, those things are, it should bring composure rather than chaos. It should bring mm -hmm. dignity rather than shame. It should bring... Um, resilience rather than weakness. It should bring some qualities like that, joy rather than fatigue. Because if you see a guy who's in a joyless relationship, like he, the life is just sucked out of me. He just looks yeah. exhausted and tired. So I use that as a starting point. And then I explore, okay, well, what is it that leads a guy into a relationship that brings chaos rather than composure? And so there's, there's some topics to talk about regarding history guys coming up through chaotic families or, you know, other things that lead guys to take, take on chaos rather than mm -hmm. looking for relationships that are more composed. And that's sort of how I approach it. Right. And I end up with, with each chapter ends up with a sampling of ways of approaching relationships, I call them organizing principles in the book, but ways of ways of approaching relationships that replicate what it is that you're familiar with. Whether mm -hmm. it's chaos or shame or just misery or you know yeah. the good stuff too, because you know some of us grow up and, and we 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 usually grow up in almost everyone grows up in some corner some type of a mixed bag where you get good experiences right. and bad and yeah you, know, you want to hang on to the good patterns and you probably want to jettison the bad ones. When it comes to chaos and composure, as that sounds like there's a polarity, the masculine and feminine polarity at play there. 
I don't know what your take is on masculine, feminine polarity, or if you have a take on it, but if a guy is trying to seek composure, which oftentimes I think composure is about comfort and the feminine Mm -hmm. oftentimes is bring chaos into the relationship that he's kind of fighting uphill battle sometimes. When you say chaos versus composure, are you talking about that kind of polarity or are you talking about something else? I'm talking, um, well, yes, both. Okay. Um, part of it is, is that masculine and feminine. I don't get too much into that because that's, yeah. that's, that's a topic that I'm not real good at talking about, but there is, you know, there is the, the feminine chaos that, you know, there, there's a little bit of chaos that women can bring into our lives and it's not a bad word like a roller car right. a roller coaster is chaotic right yeah, but it's exactly. chaotic within a bounce it it doesn't right. kill you it doesn't you know you you get off of that chaos and you feel good hopefully you feel right. like you feel energized and a hurricane is unbounded right. chaos you don't want to experience yeah. that so i i just touch on the fact that you know sometimes we as men need someone to pull us out of our routine, mm-hmm. because a lot of us can get really focused on our mission and our purpose to the point where we start getting blinders. We stop taking care of ourselves. We start having a well-rounded, stop having a well-rounded life and productive chaos can bring some of that back to us. If, if you have an appetite for it, destructive chaos, you know, just stuff like alcohol abuse and fights and mm-hmm. family drama and gossip and mayhem and shenanigans. Like that's the kind of stuff that pulls you off of your purpose. And yeah. there are so many guys who are drawn to that for any number of reasons. And and probably the biggest reason is just familiarity. That's what mm-hmm. I know. So mm-hmm. I, I understand chaotic women. So I, I will attract chaotic women because I know how to interact with them. You know, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. The familiarity of growing up in a household that's chaotic and being used to that. And I think even kind of on an unconscious level of, we don't know what it is. It just feels familiar. And so we move into that without really knowing or taking a reflective view of what the, what's happening in the relationship. So, yeah, yeah, there's, there's a whole sense. range of responses to growing up that way. One is that you yourself just become a chaotic person. You're the right. one that's, you know, your job's a mess, your life's a mess, you, you know, everything's a mess in your world, or you become the kid that holds everything together. Yeah. And then if you're the kid that has to be a parent to your parents and has to make sure that your little siblings are fed and so forth, and you're not careful, well, guess what kind of romantic relationship mm-hmm. you're going to be drawn to? Yeah. Yeah. Well, probably one where you're a caretaker. Yeah. It, I've seen it happen. And so have you. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. 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 So tell me about the name gatekeeper. Uh, I, I explained that in the introduction of the book, there was a researcher named John or Angus John Bateman back in the fifties, I think. And he was working with fruit flies and he noticed this behavior in male and female fruit flies. Cause they're studying their, he was studying their mating behavior and he noticed you know, what you would expect that the male fruit flies, they don't care who they bang in terms of female mm. fruit flies. Mm. Yeah. Um, the female fruit flies are more selective. And so he, I think he used that term gatekeeper to mm. describe women or women, female fruit flies being the gatekeepers of sex. And, and, um, that has, I, I, I can't draw a straight line, but I'm pretty, I'm, I'm fairly yeah. certain that that research is what led to what we hear in the popular discourse today, 
that men are the gatekeepers of relationships and women are the gatekeepers of sex, which is not a perfect ideology because sure. or, or not a perfect, um, not ideology, not a perfect idea because women also care about sex and men also mm-hmm. care about relationships, mm-hmm. but it's also not a bad way to think about the way we as humans go about relationships. It is men who tend to preserve their options and and mm-hmm. women who tend to preserve their chassis because that's where the risk lies to each of us. Like the, Women are run a, big, a greater risk when they get pregnant. We run a get greater risk, um, genetically speaking, when we foreclose other options. And so, mm-hmm. the reason I chose the term, the word, the title gatekeeper, is because I look around and I look at the kind of relationships that so many guys are choosing. And some guys do really well; they're very thoughtful about the relationships. Some guys just repeat the patterns that they yeah. that they grew up around, and they do okay. They luck out. Mm-hmm. And then other guys are are just not very intentional. There's no evidence that so many men out there are not being the gatekeeper to the, to the relationship, which means they're not being the gatekeeper to, to themselves. They're not being the gatekeeper to their future. Mm -hmm. They're not protecting their future finances. They're not protecting their future children. They're not protecting Mm -hmm. their future family. So the gatekeeper, you know, I wanted that imagery of somebody who is a man Mm-hmm. who is actually selective about the women that come into his life. Because so true. many of us have this, this mindset that either I need to take what I can get or eh, I don't really care. I will take what I can get, yeah. but we need to yeah. be selective. There's too much on the line. I've had a couple of guys kind of ask me this question that I've read in the book, you know, where they've been in relationships for a while. Maybe they've been married for 10, 15 years or something like that. And they find themselves in a relationship that's less than satisfying, gratifying, what do you say to those guys? What should they do when they when it's like they've let too much, they haven't done a good job at gatekeeping. What do they do? Is, is Do they just need to just, you know, cut bait, start over? Or are there things that they yeah. can do in the relationship? Well, any, any guy that came into my office with that concern, which is, you know, actually fairly frequently, I'd, I'd want to clearly define the problem. What is it exactly we're, that what we're talking about? But if it's what you're talking about, which you just mentioned, where they've allowed too much chaos into the life in particular, and they're trying to clean that up. That's a tough one. I mean, it can be done, but yeah. once you spend 10, 15 years training people that this is what you're going to accept it's a lot of work. It's not impossible, but it's a lot of work to retrain them and and raise your standards for for acceptable behavior in your world. It could be mm-hmm. done, but man, it, it takes some backbone. Right. Yeah. It's trying to put the genie back in the bottle, so to speak. Like governments, yeah. you know, if once a go- if, if a government imposes a tax for a turnpike, they don't eliminate the tax once right. the turnpike is done. You know, and right. so to get rid of that tax is is a monumental undertaking. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of what you're, you're facing if you've allowed too much chaos in your life. And guys that aren't in that situation, what can they do to sort of ensure that they don't do that? How can they be good gatekeepers? The the first and, and well, a couple of solid guidelines here is one that I talk about quite a bit, both in the tactical guide to women and gatekeepers don't slide into commitments. Meaning mm-hmm. if, unless you have a plan to get married, have children and so forth. You know, she doesn't need to be living in your house. You don't need to be paying her rent. You don't need to be fixing her car. She doesn't need her tampons under your sink, Like, keep the boundaries. Don't, don't slide your way into these commitments because there are a lot of people, and this has actually been studied. There are a lot of people who find themselves at the altar because they moved in together basically. Mm -hmm. And 
that's their reason for for continuing yeah. to go forward. Um, so that's one. But the other, and this is you know, every human being owes this to themselves, is to study your own patterns. Just know how it is that you approach relationships. Right. Yeah. 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 You mentioned something to me a while back in a conversation um, and I thought it was really brilliant. You talked about like know where you're at in the relationship. In other words, if you just met somebody, you know, you're not dating. And if you're dating somebody, you're not engaged. And if you're engaged, you're not married. Like knowing mm-hmm. where you're at in the, the arc of the relationship is really important because, and I, I think especially for guys that have been married for a while, this was something that happened to me at least was. I'd been married for, you know, 19 years, all of a sudden back in the dating pool. And what I wanted was the comfort of that familiar feeling of just having somebody around. And so it was really easy to kind of jump into a relationship with someone without really doing the work on myself, because I just wanted that familiar feeling back. Um, I wanted that sense of safety and commitment and all of that. So yeah, it's it's really easy to slide. And and there are those those categories of women, you know, and women have the the same categories for men. There's acquaintance, there's right. prospect, there's right. girlfriend, there's fiance, and there's there's wife or equivalent. Right. But you know, these these categories, they have existed throughout time, as far as we know, in, in human relationships, in human relations, like co- the word courtship goes back a long ways. And, and courtship refers to being thoughtful about going to the next level with someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Really taking some time to figure out if you have compatibility, if you have similar values, mm-hmm. I think that's a big one. Yeah. 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 It's a very big one. Yeah. I talk quite a bit about that actually in, in in both of the books, probably more in gatekeeper about being really uh-huh. clear on what your values are and making sure that, that she fits with your values. Cause this is another thing I've seen quite a bit in my practice and you know, you, you chime in if you've seen it too, but you have two wonderful people who got married, they've got great character, but their values are different. Meaning right. they have different concepts of what money is for. They have different right. concepts of how to raise children. They went into the, to the marriage with different ideas about who was going to be the breadwinner and, right. and who was going to sacrifice their career to raise the kids or whatever. These are values that need to be worked out for you mm-hmm. before you make the commitment. Yeah. Cause I think if you don't work those out, two th- one or two things is going to happen you're going to grow with resentments until, mm-hmm. you know, the relationship basically, you know, falls apart or you're going to get sucked into just kind of the quiet resignation of, oh, this is what I have to do. Yes, dear. And, yeah. yeah. And then, and neither one of those is a very pleasant option. No, no. And, and the yes, dear relationships, both of those people are resentful. The guy who's saying yes, dear, all the time, he resents his woman and his woman resents him for not having the backbone. Right. Right. You know, I've, I've seen a couple of cases where, where the woman came in and she sacrificed more than she thought she was going to sacrifice or more than she intended to sacrifice in terms of career. And this is a big issue in modern America because career is important to women. And so if a woman comes in and she thinks that she's going to be free to blossom in her career and you think that you're going to be free to blossom in your career and there's kids involved well somebody's gonna to have to start making cu- making cuts and um, sacrifices and women oftentimes have this nature where they will just start to be accommodating and they'll start making the cuts and they'll be quiet about it and the guy will accept it because 
he doesn't want to, you know, he kind of likes what's happening. So he won't, he won't challenge her on it. And then one day she is just beyond resentful. She can't stand the guy anymore because she's looking back at what she considers to be wasted years. And you know, right. these are conversations that are pretty easy to have early in the relationship. Right. Right. Yeah. A bit of a microcosm of that. I remember my first marriage when we first got married um, in my household growing up, my mom, she pretty much took care of the house. And so things like taking the, the garbage out was the one where she would always take the garbage out. And my, my wife it was the exact opposite. She grew up in a house where her dad always took the garbage out. He was the one that took the garbage out, wheeled it out in the corner, you know, set it there. And so for you know, the first few months of our marriage, we were sitting there in total squalor because neither one of us was taking out the garbage because we were expecting, you know, the other to, to do it. I think that's what happens on a, on a grander scale yeah. is that what you're used to or what your value is and what your partner's value is and what they're used to, if those aren't well defined, if they're not talked about, then you end up sort of expecting things to be like they were when you were growing up. Is there a central point that you think would be really important for guys who are about to read the book on what you're trying to communicate here? Yeah, I think the central point would be that there, there are things you should expect from the relationship. You know, just some basic things. Now, you can go beyond that and you can expect more, but there are some basic requirements that you as a man should expect from any kind of romantic commitment because male commitment is an incredibly valuable commodity because you're saying to a woman, I'm going to foreclose all my other opportunities. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pay attention to you. You get my time. You get my attention. You get my problem-solving abilities. You get my money-making abilities. And there are so many men out there who don't ask for it anything in return to that. And so it's time to, it's time for a lot of guys to think about, okay, maybe I should be getting something in return for this commodity that I'm mm -hmm. offering somebody. So there's number one is you can ask for things in return. You don't have, you're not here to be somebody else's servant. That's number one. But then number two is knowing your patterns, understanding, I keep using that word, but understanding yeah. What you learned about male-female interactions from watching your parents, from interacting with your parents, from interacting with teachers, from interacting with girls in school, you know, what have you picked up along the way and what is it predispose, what kind of relationship does it predispose you to? Does it predispose you to a relationship that leaves you better off or does it predispose you to a relationship where you're going to be taken advantage of? You're going to get used. You're going to be disregarded. You're going to be unhappy. You're not going to get laid enough, you know? Mm which comes back to yeah. you're allowed to have some expectations for your in return for your commitment. How important is it to communicate those expectations or do you just assume that these expectations would be met? Well, so we'll get into kind of my personal opinion here because a lot of the book yeah. is not, I give a little bit of my personal opinion, but it's mostly what I've noticed in research. I try to stick pretty close to what I've seen happening in the world, but my personal opinion is that these requirements that I'm talking about, composure, um, dignity, resilience, joy, and there's love also, but I put that to mm -hmm. the end because men put too much emphasis on love. Um, yeah. We can talk about that, if you, what I mean by that if you want. But these, um, these requirements are things that in my estimation, a guy should be watching for. They're not things that you can really ask for. You can't ask okay. a, a person, you can't ask a woman to say, hey, can you be less chaotic? I think that the trick <laughs> yeah. is to take the time to actually watch her in real world situations and see if she is somebody who brings a lot of chaos to her relationships. And if she is, well, then she's probably not, a, maybe not the best mm -hmm. 
commit or maybe not the best option for you. And maybe she's a better fit for someone else. Who knows? But yeah, yeah, yeah. So a guy should really focus on knowing himself, knowing what his values are, what he's looking for. Mm-hmm. And then when he's in a relationship, when it's early on in the relationship, you know, and he sees, maybe he sees a lot more chaos. And so he has to ask himself whether or not he can live with that long-term. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Observing and observing. Chaos, I keep using the word chaos because it's such a yeah. common one and guys have such a com- complicated relationship to chaos because, okay, let's say you have a woman who is, she's got a lot of conflict at work and she's got a lot of conflict with family and so forth. And so there's always something going on with it. There's always some kind of problem to solve. Some guys are going to be repulsed by that. Some guys are really going to groove on that because it Mm. scratches an itch for them because then they get to step into some kind of role with that woman. And that's Mm -hmm. where you have to know where it is that you're coming from. What's your appetite for, for chaos and what's your experience with chaos and what are you replicating in your world? Mm Mm-hmm consciously knowing that this is something that feels familiar to me and this is actually something I want in my life as opposed to this doesn't feel good I need to you know set a boundary or exit from the relationship before it gets too too far down the road or this feels really good but it has brought me so much pain in the past that maybe I need to make it some be making some different choices I think that's the thing I see with a lot of the guys that I work with is that they get into relationships where their finances are intertwined and they've got kids and they've got, you know, a mortgage and their lifestyle depends on two incomes. And it's too hard to untangle all of that. And so they end up staying in marriages and relationships that aren't really that fulfilling for them. Cheaper to keep her. That's what they right, say. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This is a call to the guys who are, or maybe not in that long-term committed relationship yet first to be able to really understand what it is that they're looking for, what they want in a partner and to be discriminating when you're in that role of dating. So that when you get into that role of long-term partner marriage, you're not finding yourself in that situation where You've got all of this entanglement and it's too hard to leave. Yeah. Discriminating is an interesting word. I like the word and I use the word. Um, It it has taken on a negative meaning over the years because it has, I guess it's sort of suggests that you're being unfair. You're unfairly judging somebody, but really it's a word with a positive valence. I think you have discriminating tastes in wine or in cars or whatever. So yeah, discriminating. It's a good word. So tell, let's circle back because you mentioned that you had the take on guys and love and putting too much emphasis on the love. What's your take on that? My take on that is, well, there's some pretty compelling research that suggests that men are quicker to get possessive about a woman than they are about us. They're quicker. They're the first ones to say, I love you. They're the first ones to, Mm. we feel attached more quickly than they do romantically. Mm. And then we kind of do, we, we do this um, flip on women where we get real attached at first. And then when they start to get attached to us and we start to back off, but that yeah. that's a separate topic. My point is in the book is that um, number one, we are quicker to get attached than they are, which means that we're rushing past some things that we should be thinking about in terms of our patterns, what we're replicating, what we're inviting into our life sometimes. And number two, we, we get all this messaging 
from society that love is all you need or how many love, mm. how many songs are there that say right, love yeah. is all you need? Love, love will heal love, you. Love, 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 love will make you a better man. Yeah. Yes. It's, and we get this messaging and I think most guys are sort of take it with a grain of salt, but it's still there that mm-hmm. love is enough to maintain a relationship. And it's not, you know, these other things mm-hmm. need to be in place first. You need to have composure, dignity, resilience, mm-hmm. joy, and then you can take love into account. But if the values aren't aligned, love doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. If your character sucks, love doesn't matter. If the relationship mm-hmm. is making you miserable, love doesn't matter. But mm-hmm. how many guys have you met and have I met that get just entrenched in a relationship because they are so emotionally attached to a woman and Mm -hmm. you know it's it's sweet you know it's nice that there are guys out there that are that that can get that um committed to somebody but watching a guy wreck his life over this emotion is it's so hard to watch i see that a lot the guys that i work with i'm sure you do as well where they're just this it's that blindedness, that infatuation period where you can't see the red flags. Your buddies can all see them. Their buddies are all like, hey, what are you doing? And, <laughs> and the guy yeah, that's infatuated. Exactly. He doesn't have an answer for it. And yeah. that, that's fair. You know, I don't know. If you ask a guy, why are you wasting your life on this, this woman? And he says, I don't know. That's a fair answer. That's yeah. a, that's a place you can start from. And in this chapter on love, I talk about what is it that, what are some patterns that makes a guy vulnerable to committing himself to somebody just because he feels like it. Like, why is he willing mm-hmm. to, some reasons are he's willing, he's been learned that his, his values are not that important. They can be set aside. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's, he grew up in a, in a marriage where people just stay, he grew up around people who stayed together, no matter right. how miserable they were, which is mm-hmm. not great for kids. You know, a healthy yeah. divorce is better than a miserable marriage. A lot of time for kids. Um, those those sorts of things. And if you don't know why it is that you devote yourself to women just because you love them, quote unquote, or Mm -hmm. I don't need to put the quotes, you love them. And and so you stay, stay attached to women who are hurting you. Okay. That that's a good place to start. If you can admit that that's what's going on. Mm -hmm. And then what do you do? (laughs) Then you start digging into, okay, what, what's my history? How, you start asking the question, how did I come to this place? First of all, what am I doing? Being real specific, what am I doing? I'm devoting myself to a woman who, um, who is making me miserable. That's a start, but let's get Mm -hmm. much more specific about it. How exactly is she making your life miserable? What is it that you are inviting into your life specifically? Like, is it that she's an alcoholic Maybe mm-hmm. you grew up around alcoholics and that's what you knew. So, so then that becomes something that you dig into, or maybe you just have a, a real weakness for curvaceous blondes. You know, maybe it just comes down to biology. Okay. Well then mm-hmm. let's get a handle on that. Let's identify that that is the problem so that, you know, going forward, your emotional mind is going to push you toward curvaceous blondes, even mm-hmm. if it's against your rational mind's better judgment. And yeah. once you know that that's going on, then you get some options around it. You get some freedom that you didn't have when you didn't really know that that's what was going on, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Do you think that men sometimes fall in love quickly because they just want sex? Or is it because they want something more than that? I think evolutionary psychology, and and I'm I'm prefacing this by saying I think because I'm I'm thinking back to 
what I've read and, and no specifics are coming to mind, but my recollect recollection of evolutionary psychology is that we have this motive as men to lock down a woman, yeah. pass on our genes. Um, mm -hmm. And so we want to do that pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. The idea of jumping into love quickly oftentimes comes from this impulse to lock her down so that we have a genetic resource to extend our genes into the future. Right. And to be more specific about it, it, it compels us by way of neurochemistry and by way of um, behaviors that are built into us as men that we're predisposed to um, so that we have this chemical reaction to a woman basically. Right. And right. that's yeah. what's compelling us forward. Yeah. Don't, don't yeah. move as fast as your hormones are telling you to move. That gives your your prefrontal cortex an opportunity mm -hmm. to get involved. A neurochemical reaction to that attraction. It's an impulsive thing that comes from that lizard brain. And then yeah. you end up, you know, going deeper in the relationship than maybe you ever intended to. Yeah. And what you just said, going deeper than you intended to, but also scaring people away. I don't talk much in the yeah. book about pickup. That's, that's not really what I do. Yeah. Um, I think there are some some good pickup bars out there that I think do fine work and then some of them that are really slimy and yeah. manipulative. But yeah. you know, the first sentence in the book says this isn't about picking up women. This right. is about something different. But if you want if you want to turn women on, like if you want to really attract a woman's attention, just be calm and cool. Don't mm -hmm. be in a rush. Like be be right. a little be the one who puts on the brakes and right. you may be the first man she's ever encountered that has mm -hmm. done that. That yeah. is saying, I don't know. Let's let's slow down and think about this. Has this impacted you and your relationship? Uh, well, that's an interesting question. Let me, let me think about that. I think, well, writing it certainly has because I writing it, I was really, you know, two years, I was really thinking about relationship patterns. And I was thinking yeah. about relationship patterns going into relationships. But of course, you can't think about that for two years. I've thought about it for a lot more than two years, but you can't think yeah. about that and not notice the things you're doing in your relationship or the things that my wife is doing in the relationship. And she and I didn't talk too much about the book. She likes the book. She's mm -hmm. really behind the book and um, she, she thinks it's a, a great book, but um, I don't know that it's, we haven't had a lot of conversations about it, but certainly I do think about how I ended up where I am in, the, mm -hmm. in this relationship. And part of it was luck. You know, part of yeah. it was an instinct that I didn't want to repeat mm -hmm. a lot of what I grew up around. And so I chose, I got to a point, some point in my twenties where I realized that I needed to pick a different kind of woman. And I didn't have, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm in my twenties. I didn't have any words yeah. for this. I was an idiot. Right. I was a bonehead, but right. I, re I had the sense to realize that what I was doing was working very poorly in most cases. Um, yeah. And I needed to pick the opposite of what I grew up around. That was enough that I sort of lucked into a really great woman. Um, mm -hmm. And so I've, you know, this is my understanding of things is much deeper than it used to be. Because when you're in your twenties, um, yeah. most guys don't have a lot of words for this stuff. Exactly. Yeah. They're just going on a feeling. They're going on what they're seeing their friends do. Mm -hmm. I was just talking about this with somebody today. I think when you're in your twenties, especially like in your later 20s and maybe even early 30s, you start to realize that time goes a lot faster than it did when you were a kid. And there becomes sort of this existential crisis of, oh my gosh, what am I doing? And you see 
your other friends and they're getting married or they're getting engaged or they're having babies or buying houses or any of these number of things. And I remember being in my 20s and feeling like that and feeling like, you know, all these things were passing me by. I think a lot of times guys that are in their 20s and they're in that situation don't really think a lot about the impact that this relationship is going to have on them long term. And, and you point out in the tactical guide to women that it's who you choose to spend your life with is probably the biggest financial decision you'll ever make mm. and at least have the most impact on your finances. And it can affect how of, long you live, how long you live, your quality of life. But when you're 25, you're just like, oh, she's pretty. She'll have sex with me. Let's yeah, let's get married. <laughs> yeah. That's the standards for, for most guys is that she's good enough looking and she's not particularly annoying. Like, that's a pretty yeah. low standard. We can yeah. do better than that. I like your point too, that I think a lot of men don't realize what it is that they bring into the relationship in terms of the stability that as a man, you bring in a lot to the relationship and it's okay for you to have needs and want some things in return. That's the whole point of reciprocity is that there's this give and take. Yeah. And guys, you know, boys these days are so many of them are growing up around terms like toxic masculinity and they're, yeah. they're getting the message that you are a piece of crap because you're a man, you're right. You're, you're vicious. You're, you're a threat. You know, you need to be constrained. You need to be shamed into compliance. They, and it's mm-hmm. some kids are not growing up around that it depends on your parents and your, your situation, but so many kids, so many young yeah. boys are growing up around that message. And so what does that do when you go into a relationship? You've been hearing your whole life that you're a toxic piece of crap. And if you mm-hmm. went to college, if you went to any, any um, larger college, it got pounded into your head yeah. to some degree that, mm-hmm you really need to be careful because you are kind of a, a bad creature. You know? You're a predator. Yeah. You're, you're a predator. Yeah. And so if a kid grows up around that messaging, maybe I'm overstating it a bit, but if there's that thread of messaging that goes through his development, well, he's going to bring that into his romantic relationships. And the assumption he's going to make is, well, I guess she's doing me a favor by being with me because mm-hmm. you know, clearly I'm an undesirable and mm-hmm. no. It's, it's nonsense. The movie um, Barbie, if you saw the, the Barbie oh, movie. Oh, I didn't see it, no. Yeah, I took my <laughs> wife and daughter to it. And then I spent two hours mansplaining about how it was, how it was soft face. But um, they, they talk about the patriarchy. The patriarchy over and over and over through that movie, it's the patriarchy that is mm. holding us down. Well, they never define it. Mm-hmm. They never describe exactly what it is or how it's holding them down. They they mm. present this cartoonish view of patriarchy. Yeah. It's like a, a frat frat house, I guess. But yeah. So we have this boogeyman called patriarchy, and that's the same thing that goes on in the culture. Feminism yeah. will complain about patriarchy, but I've never heard a feminist define patriarchy and be very specific about how this supposed oppressive force is actually holding her back rather than propelling her forward Mm -hmm. with everything from indoor plumbing to every opportunity (laughs) she could want at Harvard university, you know? So boys hear these terms like patriarchy and toxic masculinity that are never defined. Mm -hmm. And the danger to not defining them is that they just then take on this emotional, uh, they, they just become emotionally sticky that mm-hmm. you're part of the patriarchy, you have toxic masculinity, shame on you. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, you're part of the problem. Men have been repressing women for centuries and you're just one of many yeah. men who just wants to repress and take away all of their rights. And right. that's not true. I don't think, I think for a lot of men that I know, that's not your intention. <laughs> you, no. you intend to lift the feminine up and to celebrate her. Absolutely. As long as she makes me a sandwich. No, there you go. <laughs> as long as those pots and pans are rattling, I'm okay. Yeah. No, yeah, it's, good to go. no, I, the, the masculine and the feminine go, I mean, obviously we go together. Right. Yeah. And the thing about this feminist ideology that uses terms like patriarchy and, and toxic masculinity is that most women in my experience who call themselves feminists, that's not what they're talking about. They, they have this very pleasant view of feminism that says mm -hmm. men and women should have equal rights and, e and equal responsibilities. Yeah. And I'm hundred yeah. percent on board with that. It's, it's only really on college campuses and in HR departments and other rings mm. of hell that mm. you get this, this really ideologically laden feminism mm. that is so poisonous, but it goes out into the, to the world, you know, it starts in colleges and it goes out into the world, it goes to the HR department and the HR department is inflicting it on employees. And it goes to, yeah from the college to the elementary school where the teachers are inflicting this on children. And that's where guys really hear this message yeah. that, that they're predatory. They're bad. Yeah. They're bad. Yeah. 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 Well, Sean, I want to thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about gatekeeper. I'm assuming guys can get this pretty much at any bookstore, Amazon, Barnes yeah, and Noble. Anywhere books are sold. As I say, anywhere books are sold. There's, there's even an audio book. Sean, thanks again. And, uh, Guys, thanks for joining us today. If you have any comments, you want to like, subscribe, share this video to other people, it would be much appreciated in how you can help this YouTube channel grow. And Sean, thanks again. I appreciate you. Love you as a brother. And uh, we'll see all of you next time. Thank you, Chuck.